Awesome. Well, hey guys, I'm not going to take up too much time because we have a, an incredible guest with us today. One of my best friends. We've been friends. I was thinking about this in the hall. We've been friends for like 25 or 30 years. We grew up together. And you grew up more than me. But uh, we, I, one of my best friends and uh, his wife, Brittany, Jared and Brittany Strickland are, are here with us this weekend. And uh, we're just give him a hand right now real quick. And then, yeah, I want no matter how good he preaches, we want to give him all the affirmation now. And then and then he can just ramp it up. But uh, in all seriousness, I, I want to just say a few words about uh, Jared and Brittany. And uh, I've been friends with Jared for a really long time. And I've watched these two just go through life and handle the ups and downs of life so well. And Jared is, uh, he's funny, he's smart, he's provocative, he's a thinker, but he's a theologian. He really digs in in a serious manner into the word of God and really looks into the things of scripture. But he doesn't, he's not just one of those guys who lives in the ivory tower. Yes, he can use all the big words. Yes, he can, he can wow us with uh, philosophy, with theology. He knows history. I mean, this guy has, has it all. But his heart is to bring it down to a level where all of us can really connect and put it into uh, play in our life. And I know that's a big deal to him. And, and he and his wife lead a church up in, is it Tigard? In Tigard. And it's amazing. And Bethany and I have had the privilege to be there, um, I think at least once, maybe twice, at the bridge. And they're doing a phenomenal work up there, discipling people, making a difference. And so it's our privilege and honor to get to hear from Pastor Jared today. So Jared, why don't you come on up here and uh, let's give him a, a warm welcome. Looking good for you here? That is uh, quite the introduction, Jake. Uh, that's to me really meaningful. I love Jake. Uh, I love Jake and Bethany. Like Jake was saying, we have a lot of history. Uh, he has a lot of embarrassing stories about myself that thankfully he didn't share, uh, scaring me when I came out of the bathroom, but that's a, a different time, a different place. But Jake is, is a special guy when it comes to my relationship with him. Uh, I was thinking about this before. I was, was going to have the honor of sharing with all of you is uh, Jake has been like such a steady thing too. Uh, Jake and Bethany are like anchors. They're like rock solid pillars. And in a world where people are moving this way and that way based on opinion and trend, uh, Jake and Bethany have this ability to stand by what they believe, stand by what they practice, and really anchor themselves in what God has for them. And similar for him, life has not always been easy and it's not always been straightforward. But the cool thing about Jake and Bethany is they have never wavered. Jake has never changed uh, in the sense of, like, knowing what God has for him. Uh, and it's, it, to me, I think it's, it's awesome. So it's a privilege to be here. Uh, it's an honor to be here. I love this church. I feel like I'm you know, in my church in, in Eugene because the spirit is just so uh, just familiar. It's going to be a, a good morning. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to jump into it. So thank you so much, Jake, for allowing me to share with your, your body, your church. And uh, we'll go from there. My wife is with me. This uh, this morning, and uh, she's a champion because she's not a morning person, and so when she gets up early and she's a part of something, that means she is committed and goes for it, but if you guys had a service at midnight, she'd be there, and uh, she'd lead worship for it, but I would be dead asleep, and uh, Brittany and I are high school sweethearts. Uh, we go back all the way then, and I she's had to put up with so much with me, so uh, you really want to get to know her uh, because she is like a saint with what she's had to deal with me, and I have, uh, I think you guys have that picture, too. Uh, yeah, there they are. Those are my two sons. They are, they look sweet and adorable. They are not sweet and adorable. They just take pictures really, really well. Uh, they're really good fakers. But this is, this is how I want to start this morning is my oldest is Ezekiel and uh, he is eight years old. 
and uh, he has more opinions than I do. And so when you get to know me, you'll realize that's impressive. And then my youngest is Valor, and he's four. And all he wants to do in life is laugh and make other people laugh. Like, that's, that is his passion in life. So believe it or not, I was actually scheduled. Uh, Jake and I had talked about it to come in September. And my oldest, uh, he, he got like a, a sinus infection. But the sinus infection turned into something that sounds horrific. But it, it's called puffer's pot tumor. And uh, whenever you throw the word tumor around there, it's not like uh, you're just like, oh, okay, let's go to the doctors. Like, it was kind of overwhelming. So when you look at him, uh, he looks like a normal young boy. Well, this uh, sinus thing basically causes your forehead to get a giant egg in it and swell up. And so we're sitting on the couch, and I'm looking at him, and his forehead's getting, you know, bigger and bigger. And I'm looking at Brittany, and I'm thinking, what's going on? And, of course, when you go into the doctor's, they don't fully explain things. When you walk in, they throw out that word tumor. And so we actually, I was planning on coming up, but this is the kind of friend Jake is. Jake is like, no, you know, you need to be a dad. You need to be there for him. He was on three months uh, of antibiotics. Uh, he had a pick line in his arm. He had to have nurses come in and administer to this. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because uh, we have had some unusual moments as uh, uh, parents. And uh, actually, what's not shown there is my wife and I, uh, actually, uh, this um, Thursday, January 30th, would be uh, the six-year anniversary of our middle son passing cancer. Uh, his name is Cruz, and he would have been six. Uh, and on the 30th, he passed away six years ago. And uh, we just had some interesting just seasons as parents of really trying to discern God's voice, hear God's voice, to understand his plan in the midst of difficulty. But I can tell you this, and this is what I'm hoping to share with you today, is that when trials come, when difficulties come, it doesn't change who God wants to be in your life. It's so easy to trust God and to, to believe in God when things are going well, uh, when things are working for you, when blessings are coming, but it's a whole different conversation when you're not experiencing those blessings, when you're not having that simplicity of life where all of a sudden you're required to stand strong in the presence of God when it seems like everything around you is uh, crumbling down. Well, I want to just uplift you this morning and encourage you to stand strong this morning. God has a plan for you. He's working in your life. He's working for you. He's working beside you. And what we're called to do as believers is stand strong. So it doesn't matter what you're facing. I'm hoping to encourage you this morning, stand strong. Now, uh, if you would, if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, go ahead and open up to Deuteronomy. We're going to start there this morning. Uh, I love um, the Bible. I, I love scripture. Um, I, I think I come by it honestly. My dad is also uh, a pastor, and he loves scripture as well. But I love scripture not from the sense of uh, principalizing it for the point of making my life better. I love story. I love to hear stories. I love to tell stories. I especially love funny stories. So if you know stories that can make me laugh, please share but I love stories, and, and part of the reason why I love Scripture is from Genesis to Malachi, the Old, uh, Old Testament, from Matthew to Revelation, the New Testament, it's all telling the same story. They're, it's telling the story of the, the children of Israel. It's telling the story of the disciples and the apostles. It's telling the story of the early church. It's telling the story of what the kingdom of God looks like today, but when you get all the way up to where we're at today, the story hasn't changed. It's still unfolding that God 
wants to invade our earth with his presence. And the way that he wants to come into our earth is by entering into your life. And so yesterday I, I had the privilege of going and checking out your guys' new space. And I have to tell you as a pastor who leases a building, uh, a tiny building, I was so jealous in a good way of what God is bringing to you in your church. It, I would be excited. This is the best time to be a part of Joy Church. I mean, there is good things taking place. But check this out. It's, it's not just a building with really cool beams. That building is going to be set apart. Uh, the beams are beautiful. I'm sorry. I was like walking in there and I was like, dear Lord, do they even make those kind of beams anymore? I'm sorry. Again, I was dealing with a little bit of jealousy. But, uh, but the building is going to be beautiful. But not only will the building be beautiful, you who occupy that building will be beautiful. There's going to be something significant that happens in Springfield and Eugene because you are occupying the kingdom of God. And so what I want to do this morning when it comes to the story of scriptures, I want to talk about this guy who we're familiar with to a degree, uh, and his name is Joshua. Now, I like Joshua because I picture in my mind just this guy with a big beard. And usually I have a big beard that's just trimmed down. I didn't want to be too much this morning, so you didn't think he just found me off the street. But I just picture Joshua, just this guy with this big beard, just sweaty, just, just masculine, just whatever God asks him to do, he goes ahead and he just begins to, to carry out those orders. And we know like the big stories uh, of Joshua's life, like Jericho, and we, we're, we're familiar with that. But it's often in the small stories and the small circumstances that God prepares you for the big victories. And the big victories just don't come about. God is beginning to prep you in small areas of faith to begin to occupy the large areas of faith. And so what I want to do this morning, if you're taking notes, not taking notes, hopefully you'll remember it if not. But I want to, I want to talk about what it means to stand your ground, okay? So if we could, I, I tend to preach a little bit different. I like to go to the end and they make my way back to the beginning, okay? So I said Deuteronomy, I tricked you, I meant Joshua. Let's go to Joshua chapter uh, five and uh, verse 13 through 15. And I wanna have this, this, this just kind of setting the story uh, of Joshua getting ready to enter into the promised land. He's looking at this city named Jericho, right? And uh, if you're familiar with the story uh, of Jericho, it's this large city, huge walls, and it's going to collapse. It's going to fall at the hands of the Israelites. But beyond that, it was like the political epicenter for Canaan and, and what God had called the children of Israel to occupy. And, and there's this moment that, that really reveals, I think, the heart of Joshua and, and what God is, is developing in him. So it says this, okay? In chapter 5, verse 13 in Joshua, it says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. Okay? And so in order for us to stand our ground, I think as believers, I think as followers, I think as seekers in 2020, we have to be battle ready. I don't know what world you live in, but the world that I live in, I, I sense resistance everywhere I go. If I express a certain opinion that's counter to a different opinion, I get labeled different names. I get labeled intolerant. I, if my ideals don't fall in line with the community ideals, all of a sudden I'm looked at as an outsider within my community. And so if you don't equip yourself, if you don't prepare yourself for the world that we live in, your belief system, your value system can begin to shift according to the people that you're around, right? And so for us to be able to stand our ground, we have to be what I would call 
battle ready, okay? And, and I'm not talking about you carrying up swords and like taking guns, seeing, you know, you know, whatever political, you know, centers that. I'm talking about being battle ready within the spirit. And battles I've discovered are often won and lost in the mind. I've realized that we want to save people's hearts in the church, but we don't necessarily equip and empower them to win the battle in the mind. This is, this is what I'm seeing about Joshua. Joshua had a mindset shift that impacted his vision. You can tell your thought life is where it needs to be when it causes you to see differently. Check this out. Joshua sees something that others see as impossible to overcome. He sees as possible. Not only is it possible, it's also probable. If you're facing something in your life that seems overwhelming, that seems impossible, what needs to happen maybe is that your mind needs to become battle ready and God needs to shift the way you think. You're seeing giants instead of victories. You're seeing mountains and valleys instead of the promises on the other side. Let's keep reading. So it says, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his uh, drawn sword in his hand. Now, I love this because J Joshua's looking and he sees, uh, he sees this man and this man has a, a, a sword drawn. And what does Joshua do? Joshua immediately just walks up to him like it's another day in the office. We have to have this attitude that when we face difficulties, it's not because the world is working against us. It's because, check this out, you might just be a human being. Like, suffering is not just the, uh, <laughs> the result of being a believer. Suffering is the result of being a human being. Every human I know struggles. They have difficulties. Their checking counts are increasingly getting too small. They, they face diseases. They, they lose people that they love. What God is asking us is not to remove ourselves from the suffering, but to respond to it with active faith that begins in the mind. See, it's hard to stand strong if in your mind you've already succumbed to, to the loss. But if you stand in the victory, you discover that Jesus doesn't need to win just in the natural, but he also wins in the eternal. That just because you lose a battle doesn't mean you could ever lose the war because he's already won that war. Let's keep reading. So he sees this sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua went to him and said, hey, check this out. You, are you for us or are you against us? That's the attitude I want. I want to be like Joshua, like, hey, you want to fight now or later? Because I'm on a mission. God has given me a mission. Your sword is drawn. I'll draw my sword. But whose team are you on? We have to have this attitude. We are ready when God moves and calls us into existence. Can, can I tell you this, just a little side note when it comes to the story of scripture? The story of scripture is the story of promise. And that means less and less in our culture because we have a habit as leaders, we have a habit as politicians, we have a habit uh, in every aspect of our life to not honor promise. And so promise means nothing, but promise in scripture is what our faith is dependent upon. Our faith is not blind, it's not wishful, it's not circumstantial. Our faith is dependent upon a promise, and that promise is the word of God. The reason why Joshua can have the right mindset and look at this individual as a foe or as a friend is because God has given him a word to occupy a land. So check this out. This message has two layers. You have a commission as a church 
to occupy this new space. I wanted to share this message with you back in September because I believe something significant is going to happen in Springfield. It's going to happen in Eugene because you guys are occupying this new space and allowing God's presence to infiltrate it and begin to pour out the doors, pour out of your souls. But it begins by you standing your ground. People are going to want to push back. Culture is going to want to push back. But we are called to stand strong. But at another layer, it's for you, the individual. Some of you are facing things that just seem so daunting and so overwhelming that it's almost easier to succumb or give in to it instead of trying to stand against. And I want to encourage you this morning, God is for you. And the reason we know he's for you is because he has gone before you. He has actually already prepared what you are about ready to step into. And because we know he's prepared it, he's going to sustain you in the midst of it. And not only will he sustain you in the midst of it, he'll carry you out of it when you can't carry yourself. Let's keep reading and we'll go to another passage. And he says, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord of the army said to Joshua, take off your sandals for your feet, or sorry, from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And so Joshua did so. And I love this, this juxtaposition, if you will, of, of Joshua first being this tough guy, surveying the, the battle that's going to take place, where he's willing to go to war with an angel. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, in the revelation of who this angel is, there is a softness to his demeanor where it turns into worship. In order to stand strong, you have to know that where you stand is holy ground. And it's not because the ground is special, but it's because that, or it's because who has made that ground special. God has called you to occupy. Now, I want to do this this morning. In order to occupy what God has given you, you have to take possession of it. And sometimes we use these words and, and these words kind of bring up different uh, uh, thought processes because they're not necessarily super friendly like possession. What do you mean? But in order to occupy, you have to take possession. In order for the children of Israel to take hold of what God had for them, they had to take possession. Do you know what is required in order to take possession? War. Let me tell you just a, a, little, a little story. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, their leader was Moses, okay? And Moses took them out of Egypt, and instead of going directly into the promised land, it threw a shorter path, which would have taken days, not 40 years, right? Uh, it would have taken days. Instead of going the shortest path, God began to direct them around and began to uh, lead them through the wilderness. Why is that? Because if they were to take the shortest path, path <laughs> the shortest path, it would have led to war with the Philistines. And the Israelites couldn't handle slavery and then war. They weren't battle ready. Sometimes God is preparing you for what is coming to you. He's equipping you and increasing your capacity so that you can step into what he has prepared for you. And so battle ready begins to change your thought. But but there's a, there's a little bit of a process that I, I want to reveal to you that as the children of Israel are beginning to move into the promised land, that God prepares 
before them for the greater battles that are going to take place. So if you want to turn to real quickly to Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, I kind of want to show you how God begins to work with these uh, this, the children. Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today to go into dispossessed nations greater and mightier than you. So there it is. You're to take possession, and by taking possession, you have to remove who currently possesses this. Greater and mightier than you, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a great and a tall, uh, a people great and tall, the sons of Anakim, that's where Goliath came from, whom you know and of whom you have heard it said, who can stand before the sons of Anak? Know therefore today that he who goes over before you as a consuming fire is the Lord your God. Now, this is what I love. I love this. I love this. Is God is preparing them, but he doesn't make the battle easier. He doesn't make the battle. He doesn't alleviate the battle that's to take place. He's going, hey, the people that you fight, they're going to be giants. They're going to be huge. The cities that you're going to overthrow, their walls are going to be so high, it's going to be like they touch the heavens. But what God is declaring is, I am going before you, and who is going before you is a consuming fire. One of my words of, of the year, I have different words that I just get caught up in, is, is I have this word authority, okay? Is I, I love the word authority because we want the power of Jesus, but we often want it in replacement of the authority of Jesus. My sons, again, they're cute, uh, but, but they don't always act cute, right? They think that they own the place, right? When I grew up, the way that my household worked is uh, when we wanted to watch TV as a family, the remote wasn't a collective remote, right? That remote belonged to my father. And if I even dared to touch that remote while he was watching the news or a basketball game, I was reminded that one, I don't pay for the house. Number two, I don't pay for the cable. And then I live in his home at the leisure of his good graces, right? My children are the exact opposite. They think to themselves, we're Ezekiel and Valor Strickland. They want something to eat. They don't ask. They go to the fridge. They pop it open. They see a little, you know, body armor, Gatorade, whatever. They drink it. They go get their applesauce. They think they run the joint. My oldest, I'll have the remote right next to me. We'll be watching a little 49er football, right, Jake? Okay. We'll be watching a little 49er football. I mean, somebody's got to win the NFC North. The Seahawks sure didn't. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, they see the remote. I'm in the middle of the football game, right? They'll grab the remote because they know who their last name is. You know what I'm realizing about so many Christians? Is we forget whose sons and daughters we are. You have an authority. You have a power, not because of who you are, but because of who your daddy is. See, what the children of Israel wrestled with, what Joshua understood is his power didn't come from his bravado. His power didn't come from his gifting. His power and authority came from his ability to surrender and stand in the presence of God on holy ground. What God is calling us as a church to do is to stand. Let's uh, keep reading. Who can stand before the sons of Anak? Know therefore today that he who goes before you comes to me fire. He will destroy them and subdue them before you. So you shall drive them out and make them perish quickly as the Lord has promised you. What I say, the word of God is a book of promises. 
How can the Israelites have faith and trust that God will do what he says he will do because he is a man of his word? If you're in a season this morning and there is doubt, welcome to being a human. But can I encourage you this morning that God is alive and he is moving he is not moving to the person to your, or moving for only the person to your left or to the right, but he is moving for you, that he is pulling for you, that he is interceding on your behalf. Can I tell you in the most tragic times of my life where I buried my son, God's presence was more real and tangible like never before. It is not because he was angry with me. It is not because I did something wrong. It's not because he wanted to punish me. It's because we live in a broken world and that the church's purpose is to bring healing to this broken world. And we are supposed to stand in his presence. And even in the midst of immense pain, we're supposed to declare that God is good. That is what we were called to do as humans from the very beginning. But since the garden, we have wanted to live life under our own control, under our own volition. But God is calling us back into a place of surrender and trust in him and allowing his presence to be more than enough. If you would, if, if we could go to Joshua chapter 3, I, I want to I look at this, this small story uh, right before uh, they go into the promised land. They're camped on the other side of the Jordan River, and they're getting ready to, to make their way through the Jordan uh, in order to uh, occupy what God has called them to occupy. And it says in chapter 3, verse 7, the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel, because there is a transition of leadership. There's a transition of Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, but Joshua was going to lead them into the promised land. And so they were beginning to shift how they looked at Joshua from how they exalted Moses to now they were going to look at Joshua differently. And it says uh, that they may know that I, oh, sorry, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. So I want to talk to you just real quickly as I end. Three ways that I think God is calling us to stand as people of God, okay? First, stand still. Super simple, but incredibly difficult for us as a culture, right? Stand still. Are you kidding me? I got a million things I got to get done. I got a million places I got to go. Like, I don't know about you. I'm a maximizer, okay? So I love to get as much done as humanly possible in the amount of hours that I have in a day. So I'm the type of guy, if I have to be at work at like 9 o'clock in the morning and I have to take Ezekiel to school by 8.30, there's a lot I can get done on the way from dropping them off at school and going to work. Like, I can pick up dry cleaning. I can get the gas. I can change the oil. Like, there's things I can get done. But in this distracting world where our phones are always at our disposal, where there's always something going on in order to know God, Psalm says that we must be still and know that he is God. You want to stand strong? It begins by standing still. We have this uh, rhythm that we do at our church where before every meeting, we start with a minute of silence. Now I have a lot of young people at our church, a lot of college uh, students, and it's actually my favorite thing to do because they don't know what to do. Like after like, they think, oh, a minute, that's easy, right? And then 10 seconds goes by and the leg starts to twitch, you know? And I'm like, that's not really still, but we'll go for it. And then all of a sudden, you know, like they start like swinging back and forth in their chair. We have become so inundated by distraction 
But the reason why it's so important to be able to stand still is because how else are we going to discern his voice amongst all the chaos, amongst all the static? Now, it's easy to stand still when there's nothing around you. But what God is looking for is a people who will stand still in the midst of a storm. Waves are crashing around you. It's daunting, it's dark, it's overwhelming. And yet you have a choice. Are you going to stand still and know that he is God? Let's keep reading. Let's go to, real quickly, Joshua uh, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It says, so when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped uh, in the brink of the water. Uh, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout that time of the harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. Now, isn't that cool? Like, I, this, is, this is like, I don't know if you read scripture. I'm one of those people I get so frustrated with the children of Israel. Like, I get so frustrated. Now, obviously, we're reading the story after the fact. But God does so many miracles for these people, and they still question. Now, I say this tongue-in-cheek because I'm sure if I was back then, I would still make the same mistake. But he takes them out of Egypt. He takes them through the Dead Sea, splits it open. He leads them by day as a pillar of cloud and leads them by night as a pillar of fire. They complain about being hungry. He brings them manna. Like he provides miracle after miracle and they're still constantly going, well, do you still, do you still love us? Do you still have a plan for us? I don't think it's ever an issue of God answering prayers. I think it's an issue of us being happy with his answers. Because oftentimes I think that God gives us what we need, not what we want. But we're so busy at looking for our wants that we overlook the need. I tell this to, to, to the young people in my church all the time. If God answered every one of your prayers, you'd be married 30 times. Right? Right? Like, if God answered every college student's prayers, they would be married 30 times. Like, that's not a good, so thankfully he goes, no, 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 no. Because you would just be cycling through. Oftentimes, God's best response to your prayers is delay. Because you're going to realize in that prayer, wait, that's not what I wanted. That's, that's not what I needed. And then he's going to shift you. But you have to be willing to stand still. Because not only do we pray a prayer, but then we get distracted and move on three minutes later. We have to be willing to stand still. The next one is we have to be willing to stand firm. Could you imagine, right? <laughs> I don't know how these people do it now. These miracles are sweet, but they, they stand in this Jordan River. It's overflowing. So it's not a creek. It's, it's a river. Okay, It's overflowing during this time of year. And they stand, and they literally can see the water stopping. Now, I don't know about you, but at any moment they're thinking, okay, we've got to grab hold of this ark. At any moment, that water can begin to move towards us. And we're going to go down with this ark. Like, if that water moves, I'm making a run for it. When God calls you to stand your ground, stand firm. When things are not going your way, stand firm. When you're not getting the answers you want, stand firm. Stand firm on this one truth, that he is a God of promises. That he will not forsake you or abandon you. That he is for you and not against you. 
that his plans are higher than yours, that his ways are higher than yours, that when you stand in the presence of God, he is for you and nothing can touch you, stand firm. And the third one is this, and this one's a little bit, a little bit difficult, is you have to be willing to stand in the midst. Do you know what, do you know what the, the Bible's not full of? Easy stories. Like, it's not written about people who have to exercise little to no faith. It's written about people who have to exercise incredible faith in the face of incredible odds. And then we get surprised in 2020 America, right, where, like, you know, that God is calling us to maybe stand in the midst of a fire, in the midst of a desert, in the midst of a wilderness in the midst of a storm. But in order to be battle ready, in order to occupy what God has called us to occupy, in order to take possession of what God has called us to take possession of, we have to be willing to stand within. Stand within the fire, it's getting hot. There's accusations flying. Things aren't shifting. I don't know about you, I've been in those seasons, right? where I've been praying for a miracle. I'm like, God, I need you to show up. I've done it with my son before. I'm like, God, I don't get why you would, you would want this to happen to my child. And very clearly, he didn't want it to happen to my child. And I've been in that place where I'm like, God, can I really trust you if the outcome isn't what I want? But I realize this, when you stand within his presence, you realize that you would rather be in his presence in the midst of the storm than outside the storm and outside his presence. I would rather face calamity with my Lord than be on the outside looking in. It doesn't matter if the waters are coming down. It doesn't matter if I'm facing giants that are too big for me to tackle. If he is for me, then who can stand against me? This morning, I just, when I was preparing this message months ago for you guys, I just got the sense that at an individual level, there might be some of you this morning who have thought about sitting down and giving up. I believe I'm supposed to encourage you this morning to stand firm. Some of you are in the midst of a, of a fire where you're beginning to question, is it even worth it to be here? Is it even worth it to be dealing with this? Maybe it's your marriage. I don't know. I'm telling you this right now. Stand in the midst. Get hot. Get uncomfortable. But I can tell you the presence of God will not forsake you. The presence is moving for you. He's on your side. Battles are won and lost in the mind. And there is a culture, there is an entity that is trying to disillusion your hope. And can I tell you this? God wins every single time. And he wins in your life. And we know he wins because he sent his son Jesus. And Jesus lived and he died but it didn't stop there. He rose again, and this is important. He rose again so that he could empower his people to occupy his earth. You are a part of bringing his heavens to this earth. There might be people sitting to your left or to your right that are struggling to stand. You know what we get to do? We get to rally around them and stand with them. God has given you, Joy Church, an incredible commission to occupy this city. 
you think that maybe you need to jump on your workplace desk and preach the word of God. No, you just need to stand firm. You just need to stand still. You just need to stand in the presence of God. Keep your eyes on the prize. Know that he is moving. And as you occupy, you will begin to see the presence of God just begin to flow out and out and out. And things begin to shift. But don't give in and don't give up. Stand firm. Stand still. Stand in the midst of the presence of God. Amen. Can I pray for you this morning? Jesus, I thank you that you don't see us as numbers. You don't see us as just spectators. You see us as your sons and your daughters. And I'm asking Jesus, any people, any couples, any individuals that feel as though they're ready to give in, they're ready to, to give up, they're facing something in life that seems too daunting, too overwhelming. I'm asking, Lord, this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would stir up some faith and some hope, that even in their mind, their thoughts would begin to shift, that there would be an overwhelming sense of peace that would come upon them, and God, that they would stand in trust knowing that you are moving, knowing that you are doing something behind the scenes. I'm asking the Holy Spirit that there would just be a spirit of courage, a spirit of courage that would come upon us to occupy what you have given us to occupy, to take possession that which you have promised and to point to you every step of the way. Come now, we ask in your holy name. Amen. Man, that was incredible. I'm, my faith is really encouraged today. You know, sometimes uh, you hear messages and you... You, you get it in your head, you get it up here and you go, that's true, that's true. And then you walk out and you forget. And that one really just fell into my heart today because living a life of faith and continuing to trust in God, it comes down to do we believe that God is who he said that he is and do we believe that he will do what he said he will do. And this goes for us as a church, it goes for us in our marriages, it goes for us with our families and it goes for us as people, as human beings who at the end of the day, all of us are by ourselves and we lay our head at the on the pillow at night, right? Trying to figure out our place in the universe. And I know for me, uh, I can let my thoughts wander and run and think about all the questions and all the doubts and all of that. And today was such an encouraging, amazing time just coming back to trusting in God. And what a powerful message. Can we thank Pastor Jared for that today? It's awesome. And, you know, one of the things I appreciate about my friends, uh, Jared and Brittany, is that, you know, Jared, as he preached that message today, is not, that's not a message that he put together you know, hey, I'm a pastor. I'm gonna. I know how to talk. I know how to write a message. I'm gonna. I'll find some thoughts and uh, some funny stories, and I'll just kind of uh, bring some platitudes and some pithy statements to a church in Eugene. That that is a life message. Something they live, that they walk out, and so uh, it, it's impactful. There's some some weight which you can find behind that. Um, I'm also mad at him because uh, unfortunately I have to up my game as a preacher now. Uh, after that, and between Bethany preaching here and Jared now preaching here, I mean, uh, I, I feel like maybe fourth or fifth place, you know, from the people that preach, so I need to upgrade, but I have faith that it's going to happen. You know, for all of us, though, today, I think it's easy, again, to just, hey, it's another Sunday, it's another message, but I want us to just sit in that moment for a minute and just, just really think about the areas in our life where God wants to challenge our faith. 
to give you guys a little preview what we're coming into in the next few weeks, uh, we have another guest speaker next week who's going to blow your mind. Her name is Jamie Pineda. She's the pastor of Joy Church La Paz. Her and her husband went to Mexico, I think in their 60s or 70s, to plant a church, did not speak Spanish, uh, packed all their possessions in a car. So you want to talk about faith. Uh, they drove down through Baja, California, went down there, and basically, supernaturally, just God had to bring them somebody that could speak English and Spanish so they could actually communicate with people. Uh, and she's going to be sharing with us. Your faith is going to get built, really built. Uh, and then after that, as we move into uh, the springtime, we're going to be in a series on the book of Acts. And I've just been reading through the book of Acts again and again, uh, just to get it in my heart, my spirit. And I am really provoked. I, I think 2020 is going to be a year for us. Moving to the building is going to be the least exciting thing that happens for us in 2020. I think that, I think that we're going to move into that building. And it's going to be a big party. But I'm just telling you, I, I think God is, is doing some, some groundwork in us as a church to be a people of faith, a people of the word. You know, I think I'm, I'm going to say something that might you know, annoy some of you, but some of you, it's time to, to really to make a decision. I'm going to really be a disciple of Jesus this year. Like, I'm not going to be a spectator. I'm going to be a participant. I'm not going to be a sideline Christian and be really guarded with my life and my time and my finances and my family and my my, my personal space, but I'm going to actually, I'm going to go all in with God. You know, next week after church, we're going to watch the 49ers win the Super Bowl. And uh, uh, is that prophetic? No, it's just what I want to happen, right? I'm speaking it in faith. But as we watch those, the players from both of those amazing teams, what you're not going to see is one team uh, not give it all. Those teams are going to go all the way, pedal to the metal, you know, helmet to helmet, going right at it. And it's a picture of what it means to be a real person of faith in God, a real person of, a real disciple of Jesus that you hold nothing back when it's your moment, which life is, you just go all the way. So I'm going to shut up because I know it's not, it's not my turn to preach today, but I am very encouraged. And I, and I believe as we go into the next series and just as a church, God is really calling us forward into a life of faith to receive that promise that he has for us to, to not just to be a big, happy, fun church. Yes, that's it. But to be a church that actually tremendously makes an impact for the kingdom of God in our, in our community and in our day and age. So I'm excited about that. Real quick, if you will, just bow your heads and close your eyes. You know, one of the things that we know is that every week people come to church. Maybe you think that you just kind of saw a Facebook ad or somebody invited you or whatever, but every week people come to church looking for hope, looking for life, looking for answers. And what you're looking for is Jesus. And I'm not going to explain everything to you today. What I'll say is this, that God was not okay with you being separated to, uh, separated from him by your sin. And he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, for mine, to make us right with him. And this is an opportunity today to make a choice, to begin to follow Jesus. It says in the scripture that whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And praying a prayer doesn't make you a Christian. Uh, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. That's not what makes you a Christian. It's that faith and belief that Jesus actually did die for your sins. He paid the price for you to be reconciled with God and that you can follow him and trust in him and he's going to give you everlasting life. He's going to bring you into the family of God. So if that's you today and you're like, Pastor Jake, I want to make this choice, this decision to start following Jesus, to start following him, to trust in him and to give him my life, to receive him as my master, as my Lord and as my savior, would you raise your hand so I can see if you're here today, I want to put my faith. Thank you so much. Thank you. I want to put my faith in Christ. Thank you. I want to put my faith in Christ. Awesome. Let's pray together. Everybody can pray with me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross. 
where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be reconciled with you. I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. Give me the grace to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.